Welcome back to Resolve. We all encounter difficult issues at times, life can get tough, and it may seem impossible. But no matter what, and through it all, Jesus Christ is the answer. And through Him, we can rise up and be more than conquerors. Today's message is about being salt. Learn about salt from a Christian perspective and how it's necessary for your life. That's coming up next on Resolve. Now, let's join Pastor Tom Porter. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We'll look at verses 13 through 17. And uh, let's look to the Lord in prayer and get right into the message today. Father, thank you for America. Thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, you loved us and you've given us salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Now, bless uh, hide me behind the cross, Lord. May people see Jesus. May they get the message of the Bible. May they understand the state that we're in as America, and may they understand the importance of being salt in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, look at verses up. I got to get there myself, hadn't I? Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. And it says here, You are the salt of the earth, but the salt has lost its savor. Wherewith shall it be salted? For it thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This morning, I want to share with you my heart about the condition that America is in, and then I want to preach to you out of this text of being salt, what it means to be salt. Last November, a prayer breakfast, it was being hosted by a radio station, in a Christian radio station in Orlando, and it was at the Wycliffe Bible Translators National Headquarters there in Orlando. And as we sat and we listened to a pastor, first pastor of First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, his name is Robert Jeffress. And Robert Jeffress, pastor, told us of an interesting story about having to expand his church, and he had limited property. I don't know how many blocks First Baptist is of, uh, of Dallas, Texas, but they were going to demolish six of those buildings, blow them up, implode them. The detonating crew came to the pastor and they said, what we're going to do is we're going to put dynamite in strategic structural parts of those six buildings, a whole city block. And we're going to put those those, the dynamite on those, on those weight-bearing structures. And then at a prescribed time, we're going to have you detonate it, and you're going to hear a loud explosion followed by a pause, and then the building, if everything goes well, is going to implode. The day of the implosion, all the national news carriers were there. All of them were there. The mayor was standing beside Pastor Jeffress, and they stood there with both of their hands on that red button, and the countdown began, three, two, one, and they pushed the button together, and a loud boom went off, followed by a pause. A pause. And the pastor's thinking, good night. It's not working. 
And all of a sudden, he said it sounded like 1747 jet engines. The building started to shake and it crumbled down. And then he went on to tell us that, you see, he thinks also that America, for over 215 years, America has been the number one nation in the world. And it is in his opinion and mine that we are in that pause stage. We've been hit. We've been hit structurally as an America, as a country, as America, in three strategic places. Now, I preached this message back in November of last year. God laid it on my heart to resurrect it because of what's going on in our nation right now. So I kind of rewrote the message a little bit to bring it kind of up to date. But I want to share with you those three pillars that have been hit in America in the past 50 years. I don't know about you, but I am, uh, I am saddened about our country. I have a heart for this country. I, I, have, I love America, and I thank God I'm American. And I still believe it's the best country in the world. But we're losing America, people. We are losing what we enjoyed in our childhood, and the liberties and the fun. And you remember getting on a bicycle. You, you remember, I don't know about you, but my mother used to tell me, you go outside, don't come in until 5 o'clock. And wasn't that great? We got on our bikes, uh, and, and we, just, we just took off. How many of you built tree forts? How many of you, how many of you uh, uh, rode your bicycle? How many of y'all played in the woods? Yeah. How many of you got poison ivy? Yeah, all right, yeah. Uh, we moved to Leavenworth, Kansas, and I was in my, just my shorts, and it was summertime, and I shimmied up and down a tree, and I thought, but it's so cool. It's got these vines you can hang on. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. And I literally went blind over that. And my mother would lay me down in the bathtub, and she would just pour calamine lotion all over me, and then I'd stand in front of a fan, let it dry, and, and sleep on satin sheets, woo, yeah, and, and, uh, and such as that. We don't dare tell our kids to go in the woods and play anymore. We're looking, at, we're looking at playground equipment, and they're saying, well, don't use the playground equipment that has the little tubes in it because some pervert will be in a tube. I mean, you can't even... Where is this world going? What has happened? Let me share with you these three things. The first explosion uh, decision is by the Supreme Court. Don't we love the Supreme Court these days? The Supreme Court was taking away a prayer out of public schools. Engel versus Vital, 1962, a landmark United States Supreme Court case that determined that it is unconstitutional for state officials to compose an official school prayer and encourage its recitation in public schools. I'd like to read to you the school prayer. And you tell me if you're offended by any of this. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon Thee, and we beg Thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. Amen. Would to God our kids could pray that prayer. How many of y'all remember doing prayer before school started? Yeah. Remember that? Remember you were lucky enough to be able to go to the principal's office and use that microphone, you know? And, uh, and give, remember the, 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 the lunch menu and all the, you know, the weather and all of that. And then, and then have prayer, maybe prayer in your classroom and read a verse in the Bible. I remember that in public school, reading a verse in the Bible. 
The second explosive decision by the Supreme Court was the allowance of murder of unborn children, Roe v. Wade, 1973. We, we had the, uh, the anniversary of that, 40 years anniversary just last year. How can God, who's the giver of life, the creator of life, forgive this nation? Killing of babies is a sin in the eyes of an almighty God. And it's okay by our laws today, by our Supreme Court. It's okay to do this. And uh, it, it's a sin. And, and if, listen, if you've had an abortion, you know somebody close to you has had an abortion, I'm not talking about that. God is ready to forgive you. If you've not asked for forgiveness, God is ready to forgive you of that. I'm talking about the sin of a nation. This nation, America. Now, I know we like to come to church and hoot and holler and boy, America and America the beautiful and all of that. But is it really beautiful anymore? when we know that the sin of abortion is going on in clinics and that our tax dollars are being used to pay for such, such crimes. Had that million babies that were murdered in our country been able to live, economists have predicted and projected that 50 million uh, ba- people would have produced hundreds of billions of dollars to our economy, not to mention all those that had gotten saved and, and preached the Word of God, gone out to be missionaries, wives and husbands that love Jesus and love God and, and so forth and so on. And the third explosive decision by the Supreme Court was the redefinition of marriage, Lawrence versus Texas, the state of Texas in 2003. I was sickened this morning of hearing, and I went online and pulled up the Time Magazine uh, report of this, this pervert, Lady Gaga. She returned to the spotlight this week after spending a few months laying low for hip surgery and canceled world tour. And she calls herself Mother Monster. Mother Monster helped kick off the New York Gay Pride Parade by taking the stage at Friday's kickoff rally to offer some heartfelt words of support to the LGBT community. I'm sorry, I had to look that up. I had to Google LGBT. Uh, it stands for the Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transsexual Community. She, she, she says, and I quote, It's my LGBT friends and fans who always said to me, I know Lady Gaga when, or I knew Lady Gaga when, the singer said. Now, mind you, she's at a parade uh, uh, for the, um, uh, this, this gay and lesbian pride parade in New York City. And uh, she says, well, look who's the star now. Now I get to say that I knew you when when you suffered, when you felt unequal, when you felt there was nothing to look forward to. Gaga then launched into the national anthem, clutching a rainbow flag. And at the end of her rendition, she changed up the lyrics a bit, replacing star-spangled banner with star-spangled flag of pride and home of the brave with home of the gays. Not surprisingly, the crowd went wild. Gaga's performance carried extra significance following this week's landmark Supreme Court ruling. In other parts of her speech, the singer said, I quote, I would like to thank everyone from the Supreme Court to every legislator, every political leader that has ever stood with us. Our evolution as LGBT citizens always continues to change, and we see that the further, listen carefully, we are able to reveal and show our lives, the further we move into the hearts and minds of other Americans. You mark it down. It has now become popular to be gay. 
it has now come to be popular to be lesbian. And we have young girls and young men that are experimenting because it's popular. It's the thing to do. God help America. Marriage, by definition, is one man committed to holy matrimony to one woman. Not one man with another man, not one woman with another woman. And by the very definition of marriage, it is one man and one woman. Therefore, the joining of two men or two women, it's not marriage by definition. You'll have to change the definition, but don't call it marriage. But on June 26th, again, our Supreme Court ruled in favor of gay and lesbian marriage. America has been hit hard, and we are now, I believe, in that cause state of America. Like the implosion of a building, just after the dynamite goes off, there's this pause before the collapse. And we've read in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, we read the Bible says that ye are the salt of the earth. Are you being salt today? Are you being salt? Let me tell you a few things about salt. In order for salt to be effective as a preserver, it needs to be on the meat. It needs to be touching the meat. It needs to be pressed on the meat. <coughs> we need to get Christians in politics. And, and we, many of our founding fathers that were born again, uh, we are as Christians in this world, and we're not to be of this world, the Bible says. We're in this world, but not to be of this world. I love to scuba dive. And I tell you, there's nothing like being under the water and, and, and scuba diving, especially at night. But and I don't want to come back up. I don't want to come back up. I'm I'm down there, and I'm at night. If you've ever done any night diving, uh, you know most animals on this earth are nocturnal, as are the underwater world is nocturnal. And they're out feeding. The moray eels, they're out. They're not in their little cubby hole waiting to grab your mask off your face. They're out swimming around. The sharks are out swimming around. And everybody's out partying and just having a great time and and feeding. And uh, did I mention sharks? Okay, uh, yeah. And, and, but it's so beautiful down there at, at night. And you have your lights, and they're bright, and you see the colors, and it's just, it's just something. But our dive master had a, a way of getting us out of the water. He, he had underground speakers, and he would play tunes while we were uh, scuba diving. But when it was time to come back to the boat, when our dive time was up, he would play the theme song to Jaws. That got our attention really quick, and we came to the surface and got back on the boat. The Bible says we're of the world, but we're not to be. Uh, we're in the world, but not to be of the world. Salt does no good unless it's on the meat. One of the reasons we are here is to slow the decay of America. How? By obeying the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world, and that's what we need to be about: to evangelize, to share the good news, the gospel. Salt uh, is a preserver. You see, God told Jonah that he was going to destroy Nineveh, but God allowed Jonah to be a preserver for a season to Nineveh. Salt, however, does not prevent the decay. It only delays the decay. As you recall, Nineveh later on was destroyed, but it delayed the decay. That's that pause we're in right now. So what must we be doing? We must be giving out the gospel. What we must be doing, we must keep our focus on people because people count and we stay true to the word of God and we become salt. Are you salt? Is God using you as salt? Salt 
uh, uh, is, is a, it, it, it delays the decay. God has called us as individuals to show sinners the way. Salt not, not only slows down decay, but it also has value. Look at verse 13. It says, ye are the salt of the earth. He is saying that we are important to him. Christians like salt are, are of infinite value. Back in the time of Christ, salt was very, very valuable. I mean, you go to the, uh, the spice section, if you're wherever you shop at, uh, and you look at the, uh, the, the salt. That's the cheapest uh, they're, you know, cheap. It's cheap. It's less than a dollar, I think, for a pound of salt. Back in the time of Christ, however, it was very valuable. How valuable is salt? 40 million tons are required each year to fill our needs in America. Homer called it divine. Plato called it a substance near to the gods. Shakespeare mentioned salt 17 times in his plays. Perhaps Leonardo da Vinci wanted to send a subtle message about purity lost when he painted the Last Supper. In the painting, an overturned salt container is conspicuously placed before Judas. I've never noticed that. Have you? I'm going to look it up. In ancient Greece, a trade involving the exchange of salt for slaves gave rise to the expression, he's not worth his salt. They used salt as money or to trade a slave. And they said, well, he's not worth your salt. Thousands of Neapolitan's uh, uh, troops died during retreat from Moscow because their wounds would not heal. Why? Their bodies lacked salt. Do you know your wounds would not heal if you don't have salt in your body? Do you know that every human body should have around four ounces of salt in their body? If you don't have that salt in your body. Let me share with you this. If you don't have it in your body, the muscles won't contract, blood won't circulate, food won't digest, and the heart won't beat a beat. Without a doubt, salt is the essence of life, and Jesus said, ye are the salt of the earth. When a seasoning has no flavor, it has no value. If Christians make no effort to affect the world around them, they are of little value to God. If we are too much like the world, we are worthless. Christians should not blend in with everyone else. Instead, we should affect them positively, just as seasoning brings the best flavor out of the food. Also, Christians like salt, we're to promote thirst. We're to promote thirst. Boy, that Coca-Cola knows that. You go to the movie and you buy the popcorn, it's loaded with salt. Ever wonder why? They want you to go back and get another drink, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, we as Christians, we ought to be promoting thirst. Thirst for what? Thirst for the Lord Jesus Christ. It ought to be said of us in the workplace. It ought to be said of us in the social realms that we, that we uh, hang with. It ought to be said of us, hey, there's something different about you. You know, I heard that you had cancer, but I, I'm amazed at how you're handling it. Let me tell you, somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they hear the C word, it's still, even if you are saved, it still it sends chills up your spine. But the difference is, is an almighty God. The difference is that you know Christ is your Savior. You know for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. You have all eternity to live for. Whenever we as Christians are introduced into a setting, we need to let people see Christ living in us. It's us. It's we as Christians that have set too long, closed mouth. It's us. We need to say, God, forgive us of our sins. 
We say, God, humble us. God, help me to be salt. Help me to go out and into this, this, our community. Let people see Christ. Do you pray that? I had a man, he prayed every morning, Lord, help me be a blessing to somebody. In other words, what he was saying is, Lord, let people see Christ living in me. Let them see a difference. But I want to tell you something, just letting them see a difference is not enough. It's not enough just letting them see a difference. You need to tell them why there is a difference. You need to share with them. Well, the reason, when they come to you and say, man, how are you handling this? Well, I just, I just do it. I look into my inner self. I have a higher power. No, you have Jesus Christ. You're saved, born again. You have joy. You don't have happiness necessarily, but you have joy. You have the joy of the Lord in you. Pray for our nation. Pray for each other. Look at verse 14 and 16. It says, you're the light of the, wor- uh, of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Let's just stop right there. When I was in Nicaragua for three and a half months, we would go once a month into the back country. We had to take the, remember the Willis Jeep? I'm aging myself now. The Willis Jeep, that's, that's before the Jeep. That's the first Jeep, the Willis Jeep. And, and my lands, we took it and it fell into, the, into a, a sinkhole. And, and it took us every, every way to get down to this village that had no electricity. And we put a generator out in a cornfield and put a big old tub over it so it kind of muffled it a little bit. And, and we'd run a long extension cord and we'd string up. This lady would empty her house, which wasn't hard to do. She'd empty her house. We'd go to the schoolhouse. This is before sunset. And we'd grab the wood board benches and we'd bring them in her house and we'd line them up. We had church in her house. And we'd line up those, that string of about 10 60-watt bulbs uh, right down the center. And, that was, and, and let me tell you what light does. Light attracts. Light attracts. When we do plays on this, on this platform up here, we have that cannon spot up there, and that directs everybody's eyes. If I was up here doing something, and somebody else over here, somebody else over here, you could look at it. It would be a three-ring circus. But when you put a spotlight, when you direct light, it, it focuses in. It gives attention, and all eyes are there. And people from all over the, the woods would come out and come down to that house. The only illuminated uh, house in the whole village was there, and people would come. We even had a, 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 a cowboy. Those were true cowboys there in Nicaragua. And, and his horse stuck his, there's no windows or, or screens on the windows. They're just cut out holes in the wall. And his horse put his head in, looked, and we're all sitting there. Woo, you know, there's this, this horse in there. And the guy's got his head down on top of the horse looking in the window. What does light do? Light attracts. We need to be attracting people to Christ telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we hide our light? As the Bible says there, uh, we, we ought not to hide our light by being quiet when we're asked to speak or when we should speak. It's like the guy that's praying, Lord, help me to witness to somebody today. And he gets on the bus there in Chicago, the city transit bus, and he sits down and some guy comes in and he sits down. He's all tattered and torn. He sits down beside this Christian and he says, oh, I need to be saved. I need to be saved. Oh, I need to be saved. And the Christian goes, now, Lord, would this be the person you want me to talk to? You know, I mean, how more how more plain is it? And we need to speak up. And but a lot of times we're quiet. We, we need to uh, go. Sometimes we go along with the crowd that's hiding our light under a bushel. 
Sometimes we deny the light. Oh, well, well you know, it's just, a, a, you know, I'm just having a good day today. And, it, it, you know, I've had, I've had bad days just like you. I'm just like you, you know, uh, uh, letting sin dim our light. You get sin in our lives. And, boy, I'm going to tell you, sin kills. And it will kill your light. It really will. So, so confess sin. Get rid of the sin. Confess it. Ask Jesus to help you. I don't care what it is. It's a battle. And, and Paul said he's the chiefest of sinners. Here's another way to, to lose your light. Not explaining our light to others. We kind of mentioned that earlier. And then ignoring the needs of others. Boy, that, don't, don't be like that. Be like the good Samaritan. Don't be like one that just ignores the needs of others. We all need to be beacons for truth. Don't shut your light off. It would upset us, but, but would we think of, of, uh, of uh, it being unloving if a doctor told us we had a potential fatal cancer? And, and would the doctor not tell us if the cancer could be eradicated? But I like a doctor that'll be honest with you. And we as Christians, we need to be honest with people. You're going to die in your sins and go to an eternal hell. There's two destinations when a person dies. There's either hell or there's heaven. Where are you going? Heaven or hell? We were born with autopilot set towards hell. It requires no change of course. No navigational adjustments. You can just be born, don't change a thing, and you're on autopilot straight to hell. That's why it's so great to have preachers and missionaries and Christians to go out into the world and to tell people that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, that Jesus wants to forgive them of their sins. He died for their sins. He loves you enough to tell you the truth. All roads don't lead to heaven, dear people. All roads do not lead to heaven. Only one does, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. All other roads lead to hell. What road are you on? Hello, friends. This is Pastor Tom Porter of Temple Baptist Church in Titusville, Florida. I would like to thank you for joining me in this podcast and bringing the good news that Jesus Christ is the risen Savior. There is no problem too big and no blessing too small when Jesus is the Lord of our lives. I would like to ask you a question. When you die, where will you spend eternity? Will you spend it with Jesus forever or be eternally separated from him? You know, the Bible says, Whosoever calleth upon the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved from their sins. You know, it's God's desire for you to have faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Your sins have separated you from God. You must admit to God that you're a sinner and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Jesus bridges that gap between you on this earth and heaven. Will you accept Jesus as your personal Savior today? It's easier than you think. You can pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I realize that you paid the penalty for my sins on the cross, and I want to receive you into my life right now. Save me from my sins. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, then you've been born into the family of God. Thanks for listening. Resolved is a production of Temple Baptist Church, Titusville, Florida, USA. For notes on this message and others, you can find them at resolved.podbean.com. If you wish to send us a question or comment, you can email us at resolved 
resolved.tbc at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter at Resolved Podcast. If you're ever in our area, we hope that you'll come by and see us. Remember, Jesus is Lord. Take care and God bless you.